Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. <laughs> You've been off a couple of weeks. God I can damn tell. it! That's how my one. whole week has been. Take two. Take two. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. <laughs> nope. What are you doing? Are you one, doing one opera on us there? I'm so three. I'm so tired. I'm okay. so tired, you guys. Let's oh, move God. this along. I, I didn't know if I was going to make it tonight. All right. Can you hear me better? I just moved the mic right. Yeah, I can hear you better. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. It's Wednesday, March 8th, and you're listening to episode number 588. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me for this week's show are Mr. Bob Ryer. Hey, is there a welcome wagon in Canada? Because it sounds like they gifted you heavily with adult beverages. Yeah, it's called Snow. That was who welcomed me to my new place. Uh, Aaron Amos is also here. Make good choices. You chose to move there. Listen, <laughs> did I? Did I though? No. This is true. Look, I was perfectly happy. I we were snug. We were set up. We had all the space we needed. We were good. And then our landlord was like, "Nah, you got to move because I'm retiring and I want the house back. So either buy it or get out." And so we were like, "Well, then we'll get out, sir." Thank you very much. Uh, And we tried to go one place and it looked good. And, you know, they were promising us good things. And then we actually saw the place, the unit that was reserved for us. And holy God, I didn't talk about it then. I can talk about it now. This place was a shithole. A shithole. Like, I I went to go and see these units. I went to go see these townhouses. And it was... It wasn't exactly what I wanted, but it was fine. It was good. It was comparable to the space that we already had. So we didn't really have to do, we had to pack, but we didn't have to purge much. Beautiful. It's in the same area. This is great. Let's do it. We get all the way up to the contract. Things start to go south. Everything gets shady. In the end, we didn't end up taking the place. Now we got to find a different place. We find a different place very quickly. It's in this very bougie, posh place uh, called, I'll I'll name, I'll call them out now, uh, Sophia Luxury Suites. Oh, forget it right away. You got to walk away from that. So here's (laughs) the thing, though, is that we were we were there like we oh. we were got it like 95 we had two people in their leasing department tell us that it was all good we got 95% of the way there houses packed people were coming down from ottawa and then 4 days before we're supposed to move in wow. they send us an email in the evening and tell us that they're denying our application 
we now have four days to find a place to live. Had they listened to the podcast? I mean, what what, what are your opinions? I don't know. I'll tell you, it's definitely not Bronwyn's references. And it was all her on that paperwork because my earnings and my, my job history is so sketchy from being on disability and being sick for all those years and like having all these different ways that I get income and whatever. And so I'm not anywhere on there, but they denied us, which was really weird. So now we have such a wonderful position, right? She's a professional of the highest order. Oh yeah. No, she's a, yeah, she's a, she's a safety officer. Like all these things like she, yeah, the whole thing. Anyway, they denied us. We have four days to find a place or, we have to agree to stay in our old place for a whole other month and we lose our last month's deposit. Yeah. Oh, they can't, you can't give that money up. Right. So, and then, and we need that money. We need that money to move. So that's the next uh, month's deposit on the new place. Sure. Sure. Right. So basically the moving company that was supposed to move us said, we're going to help you guys out because you've obviously been through it. And they hooked us up with a tremendous, real estate agent who her name was Morgan. She absolutely totally went to bat for us, found us this beautiful new townhouse in a brand new development. uh, And we got into this place within the four days. And Bronwyn's mom and aunt came out. We packed up the rest of the house. Uh, All of my work was undone. (laughs) And, uh we managed to get in here but the thing is is that we when we when we packed we packed for the first place so we planned for a place with three floors now we're in a place with one and with only two rooms so we've it's like a two two bedrooms three bathrooms um gorgeous brand new everything our appliances hook up to our smartphones and i can control the entire house from my phone it's pretty wicked you can make waffles um, from out in the street. I could. I could I could preheat the oven. I can make mm-hmm. sure it's off in case I'm driving somewhere. And I'm like, oh, did I? Oh, wait a minute. Look at my phone. Yes, I did. Yep. <laughs> and um, so that's great. There's still there's a few kinks uh, about the place. Like there's a thing going on with the refrigerator. There's another thing going on with the dishwasher that we got to get sorted out. But whatever. This place is brand new. Bumps in the road. We'll all get it sorted out in no time. Um, but... We planned for a place with three floors, wound up with two. We now have three floors worth of stuff in the varying rooms of this new townhouse. We are living in a maze of boxes. Okay, I actually made like a box. I made a box <laughs> fort with our nice. with our living room couch in it and a TV where I can play Fortnite because that's all I do now is unpack boxes and play Fortnite and occasionally read a comic book. Did the suit of armor make the trek? The suit of armor did not. Aww. I'm sorry to report, but, but. It's a good home, I hope. I'm happy to report that my good friend Brad, he has taken possession of Lance. Nice. He lives about 15 minutes from us now, and he is guarding the entrance to uh, the new movie theater room that he built in his basement. That's incredible. That's yeah. great. That's great. Yeah. So we were, because uh, originally our aunt was supposed to take it. She couldn't. Oh, yeah, I remember, yeah. Right. And then and then it became this whole thing. We were like, I'm like, oh, we have four days. Who the hell are we going to get to take this thing? And I messaged him and I was like, yo, you know what you need in your house? <laughs> you need like a seven foot 
<laughs> it's like nice. a suit of armor <laughs> to guard your movie room. And he, he looked at me and he's like, I do, don't I? And I said, yeah, you yeah, do. Yeah, you do. Please take this damn thing so that I don't have to bring it to my new place and I can still visit with it. Yeah, someone so, yes. needs to be there so you can't get a second helping of popcorn without you know doing uh, the right thing. I'm really I'm I'm overjoyed, and Brad was all excited. We put the seats down in his car. We loaded the thing up, and it fit with no problem. The back of the car closed, all snug and everything. And I was like, "See, it was meant to be." Now I would have and, put him uh, in the front seat, sitting there in the front seat. Just, to, that just would have, to drive to the next place. You would need a double-decker bus with okay, okay. Uh, no middle to do that. Sorry, but it would have been cool. Oh, God. So I am in rare form. I, I come to you this episode a broken, changed Steve. No, you're the this same is, old Steve, just in a new no, zip code. No more jokes. This is who I am now. These are my energy levels. Enjoy. Well, Aaron's going to have to carry us tonight because I'm in similar That's strength. Right. So let's go. Right. I do have some brown sugar. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll, we'll try to beat Joey's time from last week nah, if we can. Okay. Mm. I don't know mm. if that's possible. As I mm. sip my brown sugar boba tea. That's also part of who I am now. Wow. Mm. Oh. <laughs> My little little beads just went right down my throat. Go back to go back to bourbon. You'll be you'll be better off. I should. We got lots of it upstairs. All right. Awesome radio. Awesome radio. Listen, listen, listen to everyone choke. (laughs) There's there is a market for it. ASMR. Is that how? What does that stand for exactly? Uh, with audio sensory murmuring or something like that. (laughs) Use your Google machine. Use your Google machine because I'll find out and then we'll we'll talk about some comics. Uh, A S M R meaning now <laughs> autonomous <laughs> sensory meridian response. Get I never out of that. here. <laughs> I like mine better. That's yeah. garbage. That's so obnoxious. All right. It's bougie. It's bougie. I'm disappointed. That is a lot. That's a mouthful. Ooh. That means nothing at the end of the day. Oh, Lord. Nothing, nothing means anything anymore. Have you seen the news? I'm just kidding. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Um, we have comic books. It's obviously just the three of us this episode. Uh, we have news. We have news from last week. Hey, we have hey, hey. This we week. were busy look, last week. Look, if you guys don't want to do the news when you do a show <laughs> together, that's perfectly fine. It's more news for me. Okay. Um, now nah, just a couple of, uh, small stories, uh, that are going around. Some things are getting made so on and so forth. Uh, let's do some comic books. <laughs> Who wants to go first? Should I Aaron's go? The, Aaron's the most oh. prepared. You're, you've been off oh, a week, I... Steve. Would you like to go first or should Aaron go Ooh, first? Just rip the bandaid right off. I got up notes and everything all set up. It's up to you, man. You know what? Let's let Aaron. Aaron sounds like he's feeling spicy. He's, let's, he's ready. Let's let he's ready. Out. All right, Aaron, take it away. All right. What are we doing now? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Lightning round. Shazadam. 
All right, so we got a couple things here that I'm really, really excited for. Uh, it seems like there's a this was the week for, I guess, sort of the downward uh, descent into whatever is going to be the, the finales or the, the, the next the end of this current chapter of a lot of good stories. So I was very excited about some things that sort of snuck up on me. So the first one, GCPD, The Blue Wall, number five, John Ridley, uh, Reiko Murakami. I honestly think this is one of the best books that are out there right now. And this story particularly was one of the best that I have read so far in 2023. And I'm moving my mm-hmm. mic, so it's, I'm not knocking it over. Um, so Renee Montoya suffered a really tragic loss at the end of the last issue. Um, one that kind of saw coming when you look back on it in hindsight. But at the time, you didn't really think the story was going to go there. Um, so the, the, the little event was incredibly violent and it involved characters that were central to the story that has been being told all along. Um, and the joy of this is that, um, Ridley made us really love and care about all of these characters. Um, essentially we have a scenario where we have three cadets who are beginning their journey as police officers. And Rene Montoya is a commissioner trying to instill some reform. Now I should also mention that these three cadets are, persons of color and obviously their experience as cadets was not idyllic um and each mm-hmm. one of them dealt with it their own way um some of them decided to to move in one direction and maybe realize it wasn't for them others decided to sort of take a less frontline approach and another took a completely different approach and his uh oh or it involved inflicting a significant amount of pain on people we care about oh. um and so this issue kicks off with renee dealing with the the fallout from this event um and it and it has an incredibly personal impact on her um and it actually has a, a it's really going to weigh on this character for years it's just one of those character defining moments it's really going to weigh on this character for years to come um and especially when it you know talks up when it sort of when you talk about how she was supposed to reform this police force um and and if you read it you understand what i'm talking about i'm trying not to spoil it um not to mention that this event sort of pushes her to have to deal with someone and something, and I'm purposely, that's a plural, Those are it's a plural when I'm saying it, that she struggled with for years, um, and she may not be able to, to put off any longer. Um, this is really, honestly, one of the, the best told stories. The, the, the ascent to the, the sort of high point of this story was something that was um, current, um, it, it, so well written and so well crafted. It blended the the fabric of today's society with the fabric of the DC universe without going the superhero route, but more so the human being route. Um, these are all normal people. They're walking the streets. The people that are living their lives in between all of those, you know, breaking out the source walls and dark crisis and all that stuff. None of that stuff is having any impact on these individuals. They're living their lives and you're having to deal with the consequences of society. And as we all know, Gotham is a society that, you know, is supposed to be the, the ratcheting up of all the things that, you know, we consider to be the dregs of, of normal society. And, and it just paid off here. It was so gut wrenching. Um, and and just emotional, and my heart just broke for Renee. Um, mm. My heart broke for the two remaining cadets. Um, I it just spoiler alert. Aaron. It was just no, nope, <laughs> yeah, not really. for me at least. Yeah, no, no, not really. Don't don't misinterpret oh, okay. what I'm saying. 
don't don't, don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Yeah, don't don't because you really will. Don't don't misinterpret. I'm not trying to cover up, but don't misinterpret what I'm saying. Well, it's I've because re- I've read one through four, so I'm trying to like piece together all these things that you're saying from what okay. I know already. It's I mean, if you read the end of four, yeah, you you kind of understand. But there's yeah. it 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 ratchets up what you saw there. Yeah, ratchets up. Damn, even more. Oof. Um, and again, it just continues. It's almost like you get to this point where you feel as though all right, this has happened. Uh, now we're going to deal with the fallout. And just when you think you're comfortable, oh, God damn it. Something oh. else. And then you're like, all right, well, this has happened. And now you're going to deal with the fallout. God damn it. <laughs> you know, something else. Um, and this is all in the 22 pages. So I, again, I, I actually am looking forward to going back and reading this as a single story. This is going to be a really great story to tell, to read, collected, because it, it, yeah. it, it's yeah. very well written. Anyway, you just sold I, I me just on the trade. Yeah, it oh, really it's, is it's well phenomenal. Written. It's a it's it's one of the best series. Like I started reading this uh, during the winter break after we recorded our awards stuff after we talked about it there, and was just absolutely blown away by it. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's just, so so much of what Gotham so can be is in those other stories. Back to Rucka, yeah. right? And his, his Gotham yeah. Central. Yeah, that's what this I reminded think- me of the most. Yeah, can't beat that. I think cool. They maybe mention Batman like once or twice. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably only one character that's in the book that is related to the more superhero-y things, but even that character is not really portrayed that way. And that character both frightens me, but then I also want to believe that character. But anyway, um, oh, I don't get you're on talking this about. book. Yeah, get on yeah. this book. Um, yeah, because this character does something, and that character does something in this issue. See, that really is going to make you question. You're like, ah, oh, damn right. it! All right. So, anyway, before you move on to your next book, um, I think you said it at the beginning, but this is the final issue. No, I said it feels as though okay. Um, these three series are sort of ratcheting up into their 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 final issue. It just seems they, they're giving you that last ten minutes of a really good episode of a show type vibe. Right. You know what I mean? Like when you when you realize, okay, it's all they're they're figuring it all out and they're all coming to a close. It's giving you that vibe. Um, okay, but I, I I don't think that's the case. Um, I, think I was about to launch. Yeah, I was about to launch into my. This is one of those things that I can understand how it would end in the next issue, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to. Yeah, I think it's just going to be an arc um, that okay. that's going to end. But it's it's yeah, it's it's yeah. Anyway, next book, Magic Order 4, number two, Mark Millar, Daikruan. So if you've been keeping up with all the volumes of Magic Order, you know that in the first volume, there was a big bad that was eliminated, but unfortunately is rearing their ugly head again. So if you haven't read it, you probably want to read it. Um, what's interesting is that the whole objective is to take down the Magic Order, but not for the reasons that, it, it, not to do all the things that you think they want to do. Um Essentially, they have sort of convinced a contingent of the Magic Order that they can still continue to do the things that they're doing, that is protecting humanity, while at the same time reaping the benefits of their magic, you know, reaping the benefits of what they're capable of doing, um, making themselves rich. If they're going to save humanity, why not get rich off of it? Um, All these things. Also, they're playing on the fears of members of the magic community because 
Cordelia Moonstone had to make a really difficult decision in a previous issue that that showed what the consequences of doing just that would be under the current regime. So if you're out there and you're, you know, maybe hexing some cars at the poker table uh, and making yourself some money, there's consequences. And those consequences are you get the fuck out, you give up all your magic, and no one from this magical community can ever talk to you again. Yeah. yeah. Folks didn't take kindly to that. <laughs> Folks were like, whoa, shit. If she did that to that person, what the <laughs> hell will she do to us? And that was all the spark that was needed to sort of get this momentum going to this this desire to move into a new realm of, of, of how the magic order should work. Unfortunately, that means you got to get rid of the people who are at the height of the magic order right now. And that's the whole Moonstone family, et cetera, et cetera. And they are coming for them left and right. And it took a turn. It got really, really, yeah, there were some losses. There were really, really some losses. Um, the tension, the way Mark Millard does it, every volume is the tension. It starts off, I won't say slow, but it starts off lulling you into a sense of, okay, they've gotten it together now. They, they are moving like a well-oiled machine. They're, you know, policing the magical community while at the same time, you know, protecting humanity. Mm, something happens and the tension just really goes from zero to 60 so fast. And so we're at about, we're about 48 right now. Um, the tension has sort of really gone up. Um, and now you're sort of finding out what has to happen if their backs are all against the wall. Well, I will say of the backs who the, of those who survived are against the wall. Ow. So I'm just saying, shit goes down. Um, yeah, and never trust a girl with pigtails. That's all I'm going to say. Or, or, hey now. Mark, or, or Mark Miller either. I'm telling <laughs> he's you. always, always going to go left when you think he's going he's right. Just when you thought you had to figure it out. Yep. Um, yeah, Magic Order, again, just, I, I will say I've enjoyed reading it uh, issue to issue, but it is definitely one of those things that will probably read even better collected because you get to see, to experience all those things you know, um, in one sitting, all those, those plot twists and all those uh, directional changes. And, and again, Daikruins art is just, it's taken us back to what we expected from, you know, the Livre Coipel art, you know, in the first volume, um, just really, really hitting the mark and giving you this sort of grand perspective of things um, and allowing you to sort of see how grand the battles are and, you know, and how, how much is going on in a scene um, and giving you so many different focal points um, that you could look at it over and over and over again and probably see something different. So I, I love it. I put him in the school of, um, what was the, doing uh, World's Finest right now? My God. Dan Mora. Columbia. Thank you, Dan Mora. Wow. I threw me up there for a second. I really did. Um, so he is, he, I put him in the same school as Dan Mora in terms of how how much he can fit onto a page um, and how expressive it is and how, how action-packed it is. So Awesome, awesome, awesome book. Lastly, Strange Academy Finals number four. I told you that chick was crazy. Anyway, Aaron was right. <laughs> I told you. I told you. Scotty Young, Umberto Ramos. Once again, we find ourselves with Emily changing the rules. You know, we've taken ourselves from being a little bratty and, and wanting to show the teachers that they don't need to show, they don't need to use them the way they're being used and they don't need to teach them the way they're being taught. And maybe there's another way they can trust them. It's ratcheted from that all the way up to, okay, we have to d destroy the school and everyone in it. Ooh. I told you that chick was crazy. And what we have seen happening over the last couple of issues is the other students 
who followed her, because remember the school was fractured, the students who followed her really gut checking themselves and asking, what are we actually doing here? What are her objectives? What's going on? And someone finally called her and said, I know you think you're the hero in this story, but I now see that you're the villain. And so they, yeah. And it was a, even though she's sort of taken this dark turn, you could see it. It was a gut punch to her. Um, And I almost felt for her, but then I realized this chick is crazy. So, (laughs) so I got over it real quick. Um, And you have, and because of that, because you have these, these points at which these students are gut checking themselves and then realizing where they stand on the, you know, in the big picture, are they the heroes of the story? Are they the villains of the story? You get these really emotional um, moments where they realize where they've been and they have to go back and beg for forgiveness from the people that they have wronged and basically just throw their, their hearts, you know, out there and hope that they are received. And in some cases it seems like it, it was not going to happen, but then there's just these really emotional twists you know, that come up. But unfortunately, at the very end of this issue, you realize that the battle that they thought they were fighting is not the battle they are going to be in. Um, Emily's coming and she's bringing a shit ton with her. And I do not know if these students are are ready. So I think it's all going to really come down to Doyle and dear old dad. Um, but yeah, hmm. it's, it's ratcheting up. How many more yeah. issues are we? I think we got two more. Okay. I think, because I think this is the only arc. I think this is this is the last oh. arc, rather. Uh. Um, so they talked. This is what they said at NYCC, anyway. I think this is it, but we'll see what happens. But um, yeah, it's 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 right where it's supposed to be. But again, just in case you didn't understand, that took us crazy. Shazadam. <sighs> you always bring. You always make so much work for me. You always talk <laughs> about stuff that I have to go back and catch up on between the Magic Order. And um, Strange Academy. I was stressed. I was just stressed reading all these books this week. I was like, there's a lot. Well, you really turned around on Magic Order because you weren't too hot on the third arc. Yeah, I wasn't too hot on the art. I I thought the story was good, but the art just really made me struggle. It was just just doing too much. It was... it wasn't focused enough. It wasn't really speaking to what was happening in the story. You were supposed to be experiencing these massive battles and seeing the depth of, of the beauty of these locations that they were going to that were supposed to be sort of magical in nature, but sort of mixing in with, and it was just too abstract. So you almost couldn't make out exactly what it was you were staring at, and, and it became difficult. And and I think Olivier Coipel, um, and I can't remember who was after him, um, uh, Oh, I just almost had it. Um, but and then uh, Doc Green, they, their art is precise in that you can look at it and make out what they're intending to put on the page and what the story, the words that the story is conveying, even the action and the, the, the sort of just fear and anger, the expressions are there uh, on their faces and it's so clear and, you know, the sadness and the, everything just the 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 gut-wrenching sad because there was a scene in in this issue where there was just this sort of gut-wrenching sadness of a character being helpless to protect someone they loved and they had to watch this this person suffer a really graphic and tragic death and you could just see this expressed sadness and trauma on their faces and then the anger and vengeance and all that stuff 
it wasn't there in the previous issue. It was there were it were that art was more for handout shots of, of you know, wide sweeping things, but not really the detail. This is giving me the detail again. So that's what right. I appreciate it. The up close magic, if you will. Yep. Yep. I mean, there was I put some things in the chat a couple of weeks ago, a couple of issues ago where, you know, it was just giving you the perspective of a battle. And it was just one of those things where you could just look at it from over and over again and see so many different angles and so many different shots and <laughs> things in the background. It was just uh, great. It was just great to see. Speaking of different angles and things in the chat, what on earth did you put in the chat last night, X-Men wise? Yeah, that was uh, that was an X-Men. That was Captain Marvel. Really? That was Captain Marvel. Um, I think Bob might talk about it in his lightning round, so let's save it for then. (laughs) Someone's been watching a few uh, Van Damme movies and practicing the splits. (laughs) So I'm just saying, I I just had a feeling Bob was going to bring that up at some point. Maybe. I don't know. But we'll see. May or may not. We'll see. (laughs) Good Lord. You did already, so we could. (laughs) Well, I got got one more question for for Aaron and then... um, if there's nothing else, we can move on. But going back to uh, GCPD, the blue wall, mm-hmm. do you picture if if there is future issues of this, if this is continuing, that maybe they'll focus on a different group of people? Or do you think they'll stick with the same characters? I don't. That's almost a trick question, because I think what they're trying to do here, you got you realize what the focus of the stories have been in this issue. You realize that the focus has really not been about you know, a, a, a case, but rather the culture of the GCPD. Right. Um, and so I think they're going to go through exploring fully the culture of the GCPD. And that might, that might write them into a corner because at that point you can continue to, to tell a different version of the same story or you can go in another direction. So I don't know if this is something that has legs, Long term, I could see it being a maxi series. I could see this going to twelve, but I, I think eventually, because this is sort of like the Seinfeld of, of comics, and that <laughs> is a story about nothing, um, you know, it 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 may write itself into a corner. Um, I just I, you, I think... you don't necessarily have a protagonist. You don't have a protagonist. Or no one is no one's no one is the hero, the central hero of this story. I know. By name recognition, you want to believe it's Renee Montoya, but she's really not taking up the majority of this book. She's maybe. not. She is um, kind of lost in yeah. all of this stuff. She's she's, and that that permeates through the other books that she shows up in as well. Yeah, she's, she's kind of haunted by the events uh, with Two Face. She's an anchored side character um, mm-hmm. because the focus has been. And now, if you read this issue, you kind of understand why because it really all makes sense. But the focus has been on the recruits and the experience the recruits have had as members of the police force. And John Ridley is really telling a very specific story about what leads to, you know, he, he's attacking the police scenario, you know, the, the whole, you know, the, it was right there, the blue wall, you know, the old boys club, you know, right. he's, he's really telling that story. So this isn't really about Renee Montoya coming in and saving the day. It's about, here's a viewpoint of the police department through the eyes of a fictional city in the DC right. universe. Um, and this is, this is shit that happens real, real time every day, but we're going to make it happen to these characters in this universe. Is, is Gotham the protagonist? I don't think in this Gotham case? has ever been the protagonist of anything. Gotham, <laughs> well, <laughs> times have changed. That would be hard to sell. But I, I love GCPD, the blue wall. It's been such a, 
eye-opening book and how, I mean, the stuff has existed for, for, for so, so, so long, but I love the way it's holding a microscope to cop, uh, cop culture, especially cop culture inside one of the most dangerous fictional cities to ever be written. And it's, it's really interesting getting that boots on the ground mm-hmm. look at people who went to that city and went through the program with all intentions of making a change and by being good people in a corrupt mm-hmm. system became a part of the problem. They get beaten down. Yeah. They get beaten down. They come in wide eyed and ready. Issue one, they were wide eyed and ready to, to, to face the streets of Gotham and do good. And that was really the, the underpinning of that entire issue. Yeah. And then little by little you, you see them, and I do love the way the art is depicting how how haggard they have become because you know they were they were fresh faced. Right. Now the art is drawing them to be very tired and very haggard and very put upon. Even in this issue specifically, Renee Montoya looks a mess consistently through the entire issue. She looks yeah. a mess. Yeah. Um, and you know that's just an evolution of showing the realities of how these things, how the stress can impact you. So yeah, but they yeah they're, they're very um. Good they're very like slumped and their, their clothes look like they haven't been ironed and you know, the coloring. Right. Yeah. Even the coloring, if you compare the coloring from the first issue, um, it's a little brighter, um, walk in the streets, uh, the sun's out, all that stuff. Now each issue is limited color range. Each page is limited color range, very muted. Um, a lot of shadows, um, a lot of darkness. Um, and yeah, just angles and uh yeah i would say uh, uh, not to spoil but never mind i'm not even gonna say that never don't mind. do it go ahead go ahead <laughs> never mind. i i i have to say like i i love the the dc universe app and it's been tremendous especially for saving money but of all the things that i don't read month to month that i miss from dc i think that blue wall is probably the number one that i feel like i'm missing out like every time I see it on your list and I'm one issue behind you and I know that I have to wait a month to read it, to read what you're talking about tonight, it just, it, it eats away at my soul. Ooh. It's just one of those. I think Bob, you really will enjoy it. You really, really will enjoy it. Everything you're story. saying is right in my wheelhouse. So yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. just, oh, and there was one point. Okay. That I think is going to be, I, I honestly think it was a masterclass in challenging central characters. There was a conversation between the young uh, male cadet um, and Renee Montoya, where it was starting out as though Renee Montoya was supposed to be the the moral compass of that page. And let me tell you, it pivoted so fast. You were just like, oh, damn, he got her. He checkmated her. She is not the hero here. Um, and it was... It was so poignant and it was so real and it happened so quickly that you were like, damn, that was a pivot. Okay. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I was just like, and just like that, I'm with him, you know? So yeah, it, you got to read it. You got to read it. Get into it. <laughs> get into it. All right. Speaking of getting into it, let's get into another lightning round. <laughs> With Bob. All right. Well, I, I apologize in advance, folks. It's been a week, so this is going to be a ramble. And if you heard last week's show, I bought nothing 
this week. Absolutely nothing for the first time in decades and decades. But before I even start rambling, Aaron, you you did catch one of my points before we start. There's there's a moment in Captain Marvel 46 in a battle <laughs> sequence where Jessica Drew, I know she's Spider-Woman, and spiders are arachnids, but she's a woman, and they have spines. And I'll just leave it at that, because this is awful. <laughs> the power of the Pikachu. Just unhinges her pelvic pelvic muscles. And- I, I don't know how this is possible. I really don't. It was... Um, it's comic books. I if that, you're Reed Richards like- or Ralph Dibney, yes. If you're a Spider-Woman, I'm not sure how... I think this is the reverse view of that Milos Manara cover from years ago that we had. (laughs) I think it's the other side of it, but I'm telling you, she's been watching a lot of Van Damme movies. Uh, Could be like what the cheerleader split hell. I saw (laughs) that thing (laughs) in the trucks. Like yikes! It's it's a problem. But that all said, um, what I want to talk about briefly is Captain Marvel's forty three to forty six. It's Revenge of the Brood. It's Kelly Thompson, of course. It's Sergio de Villa and Javier Pina on this on this particular issue. Um, look, there's stuff going on in space. Carol has to grab some friends, and that's Hazmat and Jess, and some X-Folk, uh, Gambit, Psylocke, Polaris. And we get X-23 lore, which is always fun. They have to go to space to save Rogue and Binary. You, you buried the lead there. Why the Brood, got, huh? You buried the lead. We got two of them. To who? Two Lauras in the. Or maybe you didn't see the other one. Never mind. I might have spoiled that for you. Never mind. Go ahead. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'm so far through this. It's, it's been a fun adventure. Lots of peril. You got some twists. I got kind of a quibble. I mean, we've had a lot of really big cosmic things in Kelly Thompson's runs, and they've been good. We've seen a lot of Carol's leadership, her temper, her anger, her petulance. I mean, it's all the things that make her who she is. I'd love there to be a couple of let's stay home and do nothing and hang with <laughs> Kit Renner, Lieutenant Trouble, or go have a poker game with, with Jess or go shopping or one of those kind of things that made everything seem to have more consequence or just, just seemed a little, there was some variance in this. But look, the arc is fine in and of itself. However... <laughs> However, um, as I discovered at the end of this issue, now this is part of some X-Men event. Um, I have to really. go buy X-Men books to, to read no, the rest of the story. No, well, that's the way really it reads don't. to me at the end. It does. because I And I'm saying no because I did what it says to do because I was already reading those. And I'm like, all right, it's not really all that connected, but maybe in the future. But I was like, what's out now? Mm-hmm. I'm showing a connection. So do I so don't I have would, to buy X-Men 20? I don't feel like you're missing anything. Oh, I could sure hope so, because I think the whole idea of the yeah, it's great for Captain Marvel's sales, and I'm sure since they timed this to this movie supposedly coming out in July, that that might have really worked. Um, and if it helps keep, keep the book afloat, I'm good. I mean, go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. I, no, I was going to say, I'll keep you posted, but I think it's probably going to be peripheral. Um, and. Uh, Finish your lightning round. I'll explain to yeah, you. Yeah, but I, I'm really kind of annoyed by this sort of stuff. And as I said last week about about DC, you know, come on, Marvel, get your act together. I mean, because obviously, if I have to buy these other books and you didn't solicit them three months ago, it's kind of that's kind of total crap. That's not good. That's not fun or or nice or anything else. Um, because the because of 
reading all these Captain Marvels this week because I had nothing else to read. That, that's terrible to say that. I love what Kelly Thompson's doing over here. I really do. Um, it is four years ago this week that Captain Marvel came out in theaters. Oh, wow. And a quick four years. I saw it actually three days in a row that weekend. I went with Bobby and Jeff on Friday. Um, so it was Jess on Saturday and then with Ed and his oldest daughter, Sydney on Sunday. Wow. And I watched it again for the, I can't tell you how many times this week. And it affects me the same way. Carol and Maria are standing there and she's remembering who she is and whatever. And she's crying and they're crying and I'm crying. And <laughs> we get to, she's going to burn the Supreme intelligence of the ground and all the stuff is going on. And it's all those little tear in her eye. My name is Carol. And all the clips of her standing back up. You know, across our, uh, our history here, we've had a lot of great books come out through the history of, of talking comics. And, you know, it's July of 2012. This I looked up and I have actually do have a note in front of me. Kelly Sudakana came on with us for the first time just as that book was about to come out. And it, so in, in some sort of way, maybe I just connect things in way too many ways. Captain Marvel and Talking Comics sort of grew up together. We, we have a shared history in that here was a book that, to my mind, changed a lot of ways that comic book heroes, heroines were spoken about and things changed a little bit. Still not changed enough. Mm -hmm. But I, um, I mean, I'm sitting here in a Carol Cole t-shirt and Carol's lucky hat that a friend of mine knitted for me. Well, that book, that Kelly Sue DeConnick run felt like the start of something. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely mm -hmm. so. Absolutely so. Look, you and I were standing at our table when people came up to her and said they'd never read a comic book before until Captain Marvel. Yeah. And she'd get up from her table and hug these people and give her her home phone number. You got a problem? Come call me. Yeah, she's incredible with being able to reach out to her. Bronwyn still talk to her, talks to her on a weekly basis. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, the character, again, have we gone far enough where we should have? No, but I, I think that character, that author, and I've said this before, I think it changed the perception of things that you could, we have new characters because of what happened there. Ms. Marvel certainly comes directly from that. Mm -hmm. And so that, and maybe it's me. I, I'm old and sentimental and I'm winking this with no notes tonight. Sorry, folks. Um, I, I'm reading, I'm reading this wonderful story that, that Kelly Thompson's telling and, and Maggie stole in between and a lot of other folks who've had Stephen Wacker, who, who did the whole thing back in the day, was their editor who created this. Jamie McKelvey created the costume. We're looking at a transitional period in comics, and I think you could put that as a pivot point. And um, so thanks, Kelly Sue. And you know what? I'll probably watch this movie again tonight and listen to the commentary track with the directors because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm in a mood and I, and I need some Carol Danvers. What can I say? Anyway, I'm out. Do you think <laughs> Kelly, Kelly's run, Kelly Sue DeConnick's run cemented Marvel's Trinity? Yes. Uh, in comparison to DC, you know, having Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman? Yes. 
I feel as though she cemented the, and not to make it a female thing, but I'm talking about just in terms of importance of three characters to the, to the comics landscape. Um, yeah, I know there's probably other characters that are probably. I mean, you could say Cap, Iron Man, Thor. Yeah, but yeah, I, in the modern era, I think you, this is the character you needed. Yeah, I think it probably did that thing. So yeah, so I've been reading Captain Marvel as well. Can you get a little closer to the mic when you tell us about it? Sure. Basically, <laughs> get close. Basically, having, basically having oral with my mic. Yeah. Over there, okay? That's, you know, so I don't know. Um, so I've been reading uh, Captain Marvel week to week, or I'm sorry, month to month. Yeah. Wouldn't it be fun if it was week to week? I so I've been reading it uh, yeah. month to month. And a couple things. Well, first, I'm going to go back and explain to you, Bob, why you don't. You're not missing anything, but what the connection is between X-Men and this. The Brooder and the X-Men. Um, and it just so happens that the Brood have knocked up Scott Summers' father. And so oh. the other Laura and Sink and Scott have oh. gone to stay to oh. save them. So there's two Lauras. The Laura that was in the vault is actually alive, and they resurrected her, believing that she was dead. So now you have the resurrected younger Laura, then you have the much older Laura who spent a few <laughs> centuries in the vault. They rescued her, and now there's two of them. Um, Laura Kinney, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the so reason, by the way, there's another panel of Laura Kinney in this book a little further on that almost makes that Spider Woman panel look normal. Yeah. There's a lot going on. <laughs> there's a lot going on in this book. Oh, there's go a ahead, lot I'm going sorry. on. So that, that's kind of what's happening over there. Okay. Um, but what I have, I didn't think this so much until this issue because it was finally everyone doing their thing. 46, I mean, doing their thing, Um, basically moving forward with the mission. I really, this issue made me very reminiscent of A-Force. Yeah, Um, great point. Wanting to have that sort of female-focused sort of Mission Impossible type vibe, um, sort of them against this sort of, you know, the brood has always been seen as something that is an unstoppable force. Like you don't want to, you really don't want it, but you got this like ragtag group of, of heroes that just say, okay, well, why not? We'll just, we'll do it anyway. They'll probably annihilate us, but we'll do it anyway. And I've sort of really enjoyed that sort of, I'm going to go into what I believe will probably be our certain death, but you know, you are my best friend. So why not? Um, so I've enjoyed that. I do agree with you. I, I, I would like it to take a beat, you know, occasionally um, and deal with some of the emotional things that have been happening to Carol, because it seems like she's been going through from one emotional blow to the next to the next and not having the time to actually deal with it the way I think she dealt with it. And I always forget the name of it, that sort of segue arc um, when she, you know, was at the cabin with her mother and let her hair grow back and all that stuff. What was that book? That was the life of Captain Marvel. That was Maggie Stoll's book. There you go. So that I felt like let her deal with a lot of the trauma that she had sort of dealt with up till then. I don't feel like she's had any sort of downtime. There was like that one issue with, with Rhodey, um, but there's been no, no downtime. So I'm sort of like, when I say downtime, I don't just mean like party. Everyone go out karaoke. No, no but, I mean, but it, 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 it those moments. Run, those moments where uh, she'd be sitting with the old lady Rose who made her hat. Yeah. Just sitting on the bench or, or walking down the street and the kids were down with, 
and the kid had the he made an, his own Iron Man armor. Or, it's or those little moments she, that humanize Carol yeah. beyond her being Captain Marvel. Though in this book, or, as people within this arc are questioning, do you always have to blow everything up first yep. thing? I was, <laughs> I was just going to say great writing. That, it's great writing. I will always love those conversations between her and Jessica. Amen. Um, Amen. Every time you have one of those conversations, it it further cements their relationship, you know, as as basically sisters, you know, in this, you know, but maybe even a little bit more. Um, it it I really really love those, and I don't feel like we've had enough of those. I will say the one comedic. I don't know if it was meant to be comedic. It just was to me uh, in this issue where. You know, Carol does her narrative, her running narrative through everything. Like she's the one narrating every little event that's happening, giving her thoughts in the background. But in this issue, Psylocke is mentally linking everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so Psylocke's basically like, all right, Carol, enough with the narrative. Yeah, I, <laughs> she's I, like, I, I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear everything you're thinking, everything. But it's real. I'm stretching my powers really thin right now. And your thoughts are screaming at me. So stop. <laughs> this sort of cracked me up. Yeah. It just made me, I know we, made we, me talk. we flipped that moment a couple of pages on where the thoughts about her daughter from that yeah. future universe sneak in and it's wow. I, yeah. I didn't see I, that happening either. That, no, I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't either. And it, we talked I think, last week about the idea that Kelly Thompson seemed to be writing everything and is now not writing enough. Mm-hmm. It's it's those moments that that have have captivated me with her writing from the very start. Whether it was Wanda, it's it's uh, Natasha, it's whoever, whatever character she's dipping into. It seems as if she's done her research, ha- has the voice in her head, and presents it to us in a way that, and that moment so out of left field. After that humorous moment, oh, killer, killer yeah, stuff. Yeah. I was like, can I ask you about blah, blah, blah? I was like, oh, wow, that's a yep. name I forgot. I will say, lastly, the award for the hardest working mutant goes to Psylocke. Yeah, she's putting a lot on her plate here. That chick is in every book right now. She is in Captain Marvel. She's in X-Men. She's in X-Force. She's in Marauders. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's sometime in, well, she's not in the new Captain Britain, but... She was she in the previous version. She was sinister. She was. She is the hardest working mutant, you know, in the universe right now. She's in almost every book. Uh, that's just a side note. Shazadam! I just looked. I am the last Captain Marvel that I read was 36. Oh, so you're you're still into the Enchantress and Ove and all that sort of stuff. We're back in there. I I think it was I just finished the last of the Marvels storyline. That was a good one. Right oh, so right before okay. we get into all of that uh they all judgment back? day business. Yeah. Okay. So Marvel I'll tell you what messed me up though. Annuals. Annuals or number ones in the middle of a of a run. Where all of a sudden it's it's thirty six and then issue one, and then thirty seven. Can you skip the annual or do you have do you have, do you have to read yeah, it? It's case by case. I, I think in this mm-hmm. case the annual was more self contained, but it has threads. But I think you yeah. could have skipped through to thirty seven and not 
I'd have to go back Probably. and look, but I don't believe that was a you've got to read me or where apparently right. um, it's a news story we'll talk about later. You have to apparently read the Scarlet Witch annual this summer. Otherwise, you're going to be lost about an event. Oh, that's what I've heard. Oh, she All was right. awesome. A certain older sorceress shows up, only she's not so old anymore in that issue. Ooh, the pretender. Just saying. <laughs> All right, your turn. I think it's I think it's time. So, um, I've been away for a while, and um, in the time that I've managed to read some comics, I have decided to go very indie and very dark i don't even you can't really consider image indie stuff anymore can you no. they're just they're yeah. right, no, they're no, no, right, forget it own. we'll give them credit the indie part. <laughs> i've been reading a lot of image comic books the last couple of weeks i'll say that uh i want to tell you about dark ride this is this is mark put this in the category of books steve should have been reading the entire time and didn't know ah. existed but where it was made, tailor, tailor made for me. Uh, Dark Ride numbers one through four. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Andre Bresson and uh, Andriano Lucas. Okay, this is all, I'm reading all from the solicits this episode because I just, I can't. I don't have the energy. (laughs) Welcome to the scariest place on earth. Devil Land has been the world's premier horror-themed amusement park for over 50 years, home to the scariest ride ever created, The Devil's Due. But when lifelong fan Owen Seasons begins his first day on the job, he will soon discover the true horrors behind the scenes, the truth about the park's reclusive creator, Arthur Dante, and that the job of his dreams might just be a living nightmare. Bum, bum, bum. Okay. What if, this is my pitch for this. What if Walt Disney was a horror fanatic and after taking someone out, out of pure frustration and probably a few other things, he starts to hear voices. He starts to hear the the, the voice of a demon basically calling to him from the grave that he's digging. Didn't he though? Didn't he? Yeah. And the demon's like, yo, I look, I get you. I love your ideas. And <laughs> we, I want to make this happen. You never get to see this thing. It's just a voice that's kind of like carried on the wind. And so Arthur makes a deal with a demon, not only to bring his brand of horror to a Disneyland or Disney World level theme park, but the whole world appears to be kind of entranced by it. And is, is like, just like there's Disney adults, there are devil land adults and there are people Ooh. that are really, really into this place and you can bring the kids and, and it's sacrifice a, them. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's a horrific, the rides are, the rides are amazing. Like I'm not going to spoil any of them cause I want people to go and check this out, but taking, rides from popular Disney attractions and kind of like horrifying them up uh, to hilarious degree is, is really fun. But like you're going through rivers of blood. There are people that are skinned alive uh, as you go through the, it's a small world boat ride and stuff like that. And it's just, 
this truly like scary place, but people dig it and people are into it. But as, as anything, you know, fades with time, it's been 50 years and people are starting to lose their connection with devil land and Arthur's children, uh, his daughter, whose name is Halloween is kind of a, uh, like an influencer, uh, across the social media and stuff like that. She's a little bit of a Kardashian and that she's always in the news getting in trouble. And then his other, his son, uh, Sam Hain is oh, stop. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. They lean into it. They lean into it. He, as far as I can tell, doesn't he's running the park, but is trying to run the park with the best of intentions. Like he's looking to get people back through the turnstile. He wants to build the next big thing, but the investors are only interested in what Arthur Dante may or may not be working on in his lab. Nobody's seen him in a number of years. Um, They're all kind of wondering what he's cooking up. And of course he is working on something, but he's working on something with dark intent. And, um, this park is just wild. Like there's art wise. It's, it's all like truly horrific kind of gross and oozing artwork. That's really, really fun to look at uh, creativity coming out of every pore in this book with all the, the crazy rides that are featured in this place. What I really want, and I'm surprised that we haven't gotten this yet, or at least in the things that I've read digitally, I want the map. I want the theme park map of the entire place all laid out with a legend and all the things telling me where to go for my devil concessions and my roller coasters and my haunted houses and all of that stuff. So this kid goes to work at this place. Something terrible happens and the book totally switches gears. It switches perspectives and everything in the second issue. And you are basically going covert ops inside of this horror amusement park, this Disneyland from hell and trying to solve the mystery of why uh, Owen has disappeared and why are the mascots like kidnapping people and, 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 you know, strapping them into rides to be sacrificed and stuff like that. And it's, it's really just a lot of fun. Um, God, it's like killer clowns from outer space. Okay. If you've ever, if you've ever seen that, it's, it's got those kind of vibes to it. Uh, it's really interesting that the kids seemingly don't know that their father is, has made a deal with a demon to get everything that he's gotten. And they are truly trying to make the park kind of rise to the top again. Um, maybe not realizing what they're doing and how, like, who they're feeding to this thing that powers this place. I, I love it. It's, it's great. There's a, like where we're coming up on the fifth issue uh, with a big cliffhanger. It says it's an ongoing series. So I'm hoping we get a lot more Joshua Williamson stuff tends to go on for a while. And um, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how I came across it. It might've been a solicit in the back of a book that I was reading otherwise, but all of a sudden I saw a dark ride and I was like, huh, that looks cool. That's a cool premise. Joshua Williamson. I like that guy. And uh, yeah, like just f- fantastic, like fun, gross, silly, uh, a little bit scary. 
and and doesn't take itself too seriously, which I I am really really enjoying about it. Um, that's Dark Ride from Image. I highly recommend it. I caught up with um, Where Monsters Lie, number two. This is the the book that I talked about probably the last time I was on this show about the uh, like psycho killer commune that oh, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. going on. So. This issue focuses, though the cops have arrived, they know where this place is, and they're going to go in. But the thing that I've discovered about this book, at least I hope so, is it's really, really leaning into like horror movie tropes of cops being cops being kind of useless and the big the the big protagonist or who's supposed to be the big protagonist, the badass cop is like every hero cliche rolled into one person. I have, it has to be on purpose. If it's not on purpose, I, I, I don't know how to feel, but I'm pretty sure that it is. Anyway, this is the raid issue with all the cops not taking this situation seriously, going in very half cocked and uh, all getting dead in a, you know, series of different gruesome ways. It's a lot of fun. Uh, again, I don't know what to make of our hero cop character. Uh, he's a little bit too much parody without clarification for me. But overall, I think it's a lot of fun. And we're starting to dig into uh, the past and how this place came to be. And that part of it's a lot of fun. And the killers are just like goofy which is, is, is bizarre. Um, they mean business though. You don't want to, you don't want to go to Wilmhurst. Uh, definitely turn around, uh, where monsters lie continues to be a good time. Uh, I would check it out. Phantom road, phantom road. Number one, Joey mentioned this in books that he was thinking about picking up, uh, during last week's episode. This is the Jeff Lemire and uh, Gabriel Hernandez Walta book that just came out. So this is the solicit for the book. Dom is a, What's that? Hell of a team. Yeah. Uh, Dom is a, yeah, this was like, I didn't know what this was. And then I saw the creative team and it was an insta buy for me. I didn't even think about it. I just hit the button. Uh, Dom is a long haul truck driver attempting to stay ahead of his tragic past. When he stops one night to assist Birdie, who has been in a massive car crash, they pull an artifact from the wreckage that throws their lives into fifth gear. Suddenly, a typical midnight run has become a frantic journey through a surreal world where Dom and Bertie are the quarries of strange and impossible monsters. This is grindhouse horror meets like high concept supernatural fantasy stuff. This is the kind of book where I have next to no idea as to what's actually happening, but it doesn't matter because it's so fascinating and so surreal and so weird that you can just assume that it's like an extended twilight zone episode you know dimensional travel uh strange artifacts from beyond where if you touch it if you interact with it it brings you to another place and that place is filled with horrors and now you're left to survive is there anyone else there except you that sort of thing where has this thing transported you uh, it is really bizarre, very engaging, and a little tragic. Uh, one of the focuses of this book is kind of the idea of the long haul. These 
trips that, you know, can take sometimes days of just driving across the country to drop something off and unload and then go all the way back, take three days off. And then you have another five day trip ahead of you. And, uh, one of the things that I tend to do, and I, I, sometimes I enjoy it and sometimes I really don't, but when I'm making a long drive, or even if I'm driving into like a show in the city in Toronto or whatever, if you give me about two to three hours to just kind of drift off in my own thoughts, you can go into some really weird places and, you know, sometimes some really harsh memories and some, you know, self-analyzing goes on and sometimes it gets real ugly. That can happen when you're a long haul driver and you start to think about your upbringing and how it has kind of shaped who you are as a person or who you're trying not to be. Uh, And in Dom's case, we see his childhood, which was not a happy one. And uh, him not wanting to be like his father is a is a big theme that I can see building in this story so far. How that relates to the like Silent Hill nightmare creatures with the giant mouths that are uh, kind of finding their way into this book. I don't know. But I am along for the ride. I absolutely love... I mean, I've, I've been a fan of Jeff Lemire for a long time. I love his surreal stuff just as much as I love his heartbreaking stuff. Uh, and Gabriel Hernandez Walta, I have warmed to their artwork over the years tremendously. Um, the Vision with Tom King and, and you know any number of other things that whenever whenever I see their name on a project, I'm at least intrigued to see what it was and uh, i was not disappointed by this one i have absolutely no idea where it's gonna go i don't know if this is it's not exactly a post-apocalyptic zombie thing because i think we're we're dealing with like interdimensional travel here um but i i don't know i don't know yet i don't have enough information yet uh all i know is that the the relic or whatever the hell the totem or whatever the thing is that they touch to bring them to this place. I wouldn't go near that thing. That thing is, it's cursed. <laughs> it's, when the yeah. house starts to tell you, get out, you should get out. Same idea. Don't touch the relic. Don't. Well, one of the things that I find really interesting, and this is not necessarily a spoiler for this book is like, once you've touched it, once you've interacted with it, you're kind of bound to it in a way of course. that, like they they touch it and they they're like you know we got to get the hell out of here because there's a horde of these things. They get in the car and they start driving, and Birdie just starts to lose it and he's like, "What? What?" And she's like, "We got to go back. We got to go back for it." And he's like, "Are you are you are you kidding me?" And she's like, "Tell me that you don't feel it too." And he kind of just like slumps and he goes, "Yeah, uh... let's go back." And like he you know pulls the pulls the truck around, gets out with the crowbar credits and it's just like oh yeah let's go (laughs) so anyway that's phantom road number one it's a good time i like it uh and last but not least i finally finally crossed off one of the books on my uh list of shame to be read things that i'm collecting and not reading uh bloodstained teeth numbers one through nine uh, this is written by Christian Ward with art by Patrick Reynolds and Christian Ward uh, kind of guesting in these more surreal uh, parts of the book. There is a vampires on drugs issue and he uh, Christian Ward does the artwork for kind of the 
hallucinogenic trip that you go on with this vampire. Uh, and it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, this is a story about Atticus Sloan, who, and this is from the solicit. He's a, a misanthropic criminal. He's kind of an asshole and he's also a vampire. Uh, he lives in a world where blood isn't the only thing vampires crave. So vampires from the old world very much want to keep the vampire line pure if you get me and Atticus is going around creating sips sips are essentially new vampires they don't want that so one day or one night when he's you know wrapping up business they find out what he's been doing and they go to him and they say you need to fix this you need to go around and you need to take out every one of these that you made and we've already started with your familiar and your partner. And so his partner in crime uh, for this whole sip uh, deal that he's got going on, where people come to him to be turned into vampires, either to live a fantasy or to live forever or to gain the powers or whatever, um, not going by the old laws of the vampire and creating this kind of chaotic generation of bloodsuckers and stuff like that. He needs to be punished. So he has a finite amount of time till the end of the month to go around and kill all of the people that he's made, all of the all of the sip vampires that he's made. And so what you end up getting with this series, and I did not anticipate this and really love it, is a vampire of the week or monster of the month kind of setup where every issue Atticus is going after a different vampire that he's turned and they all have like wildly different themes as to why they've become vampires and who they are. You know, one of them's a doctor, another one is a social media influencer, and that like basically blows up his spot. Who immediately after being turned goes onto their onto their social media pages with their millions of followers and exposes the vampire world. People can't decide whether it's a hoax or not. The whole thing. And then she uh, schedules a live feeding. And so he needs to find her and take her out before the live feeding uh, live stream can begin. Wow. That's, and it's sort of like it's almost uh, like a, a detective television yeah. show week by week or, or a reporter doing a, like a cold check thing, right? Who's it's the Vampire next? Columbo. Yeah, there you go. Brilliant. I love it. It is. It's Vampire Columbo. And it's all done in this like 80s neon. It looks like a David Bowie album come to life or one of his many, many uh, outfits from throughout the years. Uh, Atticus Sloan, he's he's an asshole, but he's kind of a likable asshole. He's he's unknowingly leading the world toward an unprecedented vampiric event. Uh, Humans have discovered a new use for vampire blood. So they're conducting experiments in an underground hospital, and only a few. Morbius? Hum- no, <laughs> no, no, this is no. better. This is okay. a lot better than Morbius. Uh, only a few humans know that it exists, and a sect of vampires want to burn it to the ground. And uh, I should also mention that his one of the ways that we get Atticus's thoughts, because he's obviously he's going through this mission alone, more or less, but. When they killed his familiar, they didn't exactly sever his link to his familiar. So he sees the spirit 
of the familiar walking around with him as he hunts these people down and solves these solves these cases. Um, and so he he ends up talking, having conversations with ghosts of the people that he's gone and taken out. They're all starting to like follow him and haunt him. And so with each person that he takes out, there's another ghost that he has to deal with. There's another guilt trip waiting for him. There's another all kinds of things. Let's throw some Shakespeare into this. This is lovely, Steve. This is yeah, it's, yeah, it's super good. Like the whole Christian Ward wrote this thing is really giving me Chip Zdarsky memories of like, oh, look at this. How cute. Like Chip Zdarsky is writing a comic book. Oh, you know, let's see you come out from behind your pencils. Let's see what you got. And then Christian Ward comes out with this out of the gate. Uh, And it's it's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, I'm really glad that I caught up with it. Issue 10 is coming out soon. It says this is an ongoing again, like what? Um, oh my God, your name, Aaron, was saying earlier <laughs> wow. about GCPD uh, feeling like it was coming to a head. Jeez, That's what gosh. this feels like. Well, I love you. You know that. <laughs> I just don't uh, remember his name. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kisses on the cheek. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have been away a while, Steve, but it's, it's forgiven. Listen. This is what you've been missing. This is this is what everyone was waiting for. Yeah, my name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Um, I kind of lost my momentum here, so <laughs> there you go. Now, bloodstained so, teeth. Do we have a trade for the uh, first? First, first trade is out for sure. One through okay. uh, four, okay. five. Four or five. One through four or five. It's also on. I I feel like I've seen it, but I'm going to have to double check. I feel like if you have Comixology Unlimited, you might have a volume or something that's for free. Oh. I feel as though I may may be. I may have dreamt that, but I feel as though I just saw it somewhere. I know that there is a stack of copies at my local comic book shop on sale for like $6.99. So it's one of those like super cheap image. um, Yeah, Yeah, the first volumes are always very cheap. Yeah. 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 I, I would, I would give this a taste. Like it was, I remember the first time I read it, I was a little, I was undecided. I wasn't negative on it, but I was undecided. I was like, ah, I don't know. And that's kind of why I backed off of it for a little bit, but there was something about the aesthetic of it. I really, really dig the, like the neon feel to it. Uh, looks like a lot of eighties album covers that I've seen uh, over the years and I wanted to keep going with it and give it a fair shake, maybe go for for a, an arc. And then I caught up with it and I couldn't put it down. I was like, this is really fun. Once I discovered that it was kind of a like a monster of the month, monster of the issue setup, I was like, this is amazing. This is this is episodic comic book content with an, you know, an overarching plot. But then they introduce all these other characters and the reason that vampire blood is so valuable now and what it can do. And um, I don't want to spoil it, but like talking comics crew have been dealing with a lot uh, off air uh, in our personal lives and people that we care about and stuff like that. And uh, vampire blood might be able to do something for some of that. So it's um, it's an interesting premise. I really hope that it keeps going. Like I said, it, feels like 10 
is the end of something, but hopefully it's just the end of the arc and we're only getting started because the, I, I, I feel like the momentum for this is really good. And when the next, when what happens in the next issue inevitably happens, it feels like the type of thing that can blow the series up into even more possibilities and that it can go for another 10 issues and have a lot of fun with what will be discovered uh, with issue number 10. So um, I'm going to read it immediately this time when it comes out, it's going to be at the top of my pile and we'll see what happens. Uh, hopefully I can I catch just up. Looked it up. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, I just looked up on Comixology. It's not uh, free, at least on Unlimited that I could see, but the issues are like a buck 79. Okay. Yep. Now, there's a trade. Our, our friend Nikki got me a gift card to Escape Pod. Hey. So I will check in to see that. Do you guys remember, it goes way back where I talked about it, and then when we had Dawn on the show, uh, Empire of the Dead, the George Romero book? Yeah, I, I remember. Believe, which went to some of these kind of things. But because Mr. Romero passed away, we never got to have it finished. So mm-hmm. I, that this could continue, I love this whole premise, Steve. As, as someone who grew up with episodic television, that one issue or one episode led to the next, and you could have some fun and build the backstory, which it yeah. sounds like they're doing here. I just love that whole idea. That just because now you could you could go forever, literally. Yeah, I, I, I would like the dark ride. I think you would enjoy as well, but I kind of want to see how the arc wraps up before I give it a full recommendation for you. I think bloodstained teeth is more your bag, but I would just reiterate that Atticus is a bit of an asshole and you kind of need to give the series a bit of time to breathe, to really settle into the way he operates. He kind of, turned me off in that first issue and I but as it went on I was like okay I see what we're doing here okay I understand this now I know you you must have seen the Night Stalker television movie with Darren McGavin yeah the vampire in Las Vegas and they did a show and whether in the TV movie or the show Carl Kolchak is he's he's a jerk yeah we like him at a certain level because he's he's the guy with he knows what's happening but he's still rude to people and manipulative and all those other things, but you kind of yes, love him. Is... You love him for the quirks, right? And that sounds like Atticus is that guy here. That's exactly who he is. That is that is a really good description. Cool. Uh I just I love the approach. I I the different types of vampires that they introduce in each one of these issues, it's super interesting because you think about where we are today versus like traditional vampire rules and Whenever something vampire comes out, I always think garlic can't see their reflection. Mm. Uh, the sunlight will kill them, this, that, and the other thing. And then as we've gone on throughout the decades, people have been having a little fun with it and maybe changing things up a little bit. And vampires actually saying in films or television shows, be like, you watch too much TV or you watch too many yeah. movies. Like all of that stuff is crap. That can't do anything to me or somebody pulls out a crucifix and they're like, yeah. I'm Jewish. <laughs> yeah. And, and yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's cool to see the different ways, the different reasons that people would want to become a vampire now. Like what are the benefits to that? How do you, how do you keep that secret 
You know, how do you, how do you live your life after making that type of lifestyle change where you can no longer go out during the day? What kind of sacrifices are you making um, to have that lifestyle? And yeah, there's, there's somebody in a band uh, as a, as a whole thing. It's really, really, really neat. So we're, we're, we're doing, we got some lost boys going on. Have you, oh yeah. I know you've seen, you mentioned Bowie before you've seen the hunger, right? With Susan Sarandon. Yes. Uh, oh God, I forgot about. Let that. me. Okay, Bowie, you mentioned the, as a vampire, right? I mean, please. You mentioned the Lost Boys. I I could be mistaken, but I don't think so. I'm fairly certain that there's a panel of saxophone man. Yes, somewhere <laughs> yeah. in a club okay. in this series. Okay. I'm like 99.9 percent awesome. sure that there's a panel of saxophone man, bare chested, the whole deal. Oh right? yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, cool. just blow, blowing away on the horn, like upper left. <laughs> corner i could see it in my mind's eye i'm, I'm fairly uh, certain nice. it was this That's book lovely so good That's anyway a sounds like a winner team. sounds like a winner i think you would enjoy it i i i really do uh and that's that's it those are the comics shaza dam shaza dam all right let's go through these uh speaking of there is a movie this week right are we going to see it or is that is there is that this week isn't it well, what are you um, thinking? Maybe we can tell you. I thought it was the end of the month. Oh, okay. Then I can. I can, um, I can tell oh, you yeah, right now. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll say this up front. I have no plans to see this movie. Oh, boy. Am, um, I, am I stuck again? I was the Morbius guy. Do I have to be the Shazam? You I might be. I, okay. Funny thing. I still haven't seen the first one. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so, let's see. Rui, March behind. March seventeenth. No, I will. I will be playing Diablo four that whole weekend. <laughs> I will not. Okay. I'll be playing the beta. Yeah. I will not uh, mm-hmm. be seeing Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Friends and um, family, I may be there at, the, at my local theater with a really big popcorn, and maybe I'll smuggle in a drink. <laughs> there you go. No, I just I, I've I've lost any momentum. I've had to see this one. I'm I'm, I'm not into it. For reasons i'm not into it i don't want to get into them now but not for me i'll see it i'll see it when it when it comes out on hbo max or whatever but um i'll take the bullet let me tell you i'll take the bullet look we have a news story coming up where i abandoned my entire crew here and i apologize then i'll apologize again i was in the local theater the, the giant multiplex airport 16 screens thing got there early from work Mm-hmm. Having a lovely cocktail made by our sometimes co-host Nikki, and I was supposed to see Hellboy, and I just couldn't. At the end of the day, I went to see Captain Marvel again. <laughs> there you go. Made Some friends choice. showed up in the theater and went, "We're going to see Captain Marvel. Good, I'll go with you." Yeah, I'll, yeah. <laughs> well, here's my thing, and this is you know Zachary Levi aside, and some of the things that have come up about him lately. Um, we're out there to begin with, but came about again. I went to the movies to go and see Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp Quantumania. I was not here for that discussion. I think everybody did a phenomenal job. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad that I didn't have to give my opinion about that. Oh, movie. really? <laughs> um, I enjoyed aspects of it, but for, for the most part, I, I agreed a lot with John. I was really bored and disappointed. Um, it cost... I went with to the movies with my friend Brad. Granted... We did the, uh, here you go, Joey. We did the D-Box seats, the D-Box 3D seats. Ooh. It cost us, two people, uh-huh. cost us 
a hundred dollars. Holy crap! Fifty four dollars on two tickets for just the 53. tickets. What's that for? Just the tickets? What did you get? Popcorn? Just the just the tickets were like twenty twenty. Uh, oh God, what the hell was it? Twenty seven came shot. out to to about fifty four dollars for two two D box three D tickets at the top of the theater, and then concessions were another fifty and change, like fifty three bucks. It cost us between the two of us. I always buy the tickets. Brad buys the concessions. Yeah. Bronwyn doesn't even go to the movies anymore because she's so fed up with it. Um, we might go to to see. Um, oh God, what the hell is coming out? Uh, we want to go see Cocaine Bear for one. Uh, I've not seen it yet. I'm dying to see it. It's in my or local theater else. for five dollars. <laughs> I don't know. I I Shazam is not even if it's the best movie ever, uh, it's not worth my money right now. Things are, we're replacing things in the house. Uh, I have like three things that I got to put toilet paper on in our three bathrooms. That'll probably be the amount of money of that. It would cost me to go to Shazam. Mm -hmm. So well, here uh, I I hear the flash is the best movie ever, but that's just gone saying depends on who you ask. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do about that one either. I haven't. Well, I'm going to see that one. You know it. You know yeah, it. I'll probably see that one. But I don't need. I don't need to see this one. No, I don't. Like I, I'm at that point with the DC stuff, especially with them doing the reboot. Like I just, I don't know. Just, I yeah, enjoyed the first it, Shazam. Yeah, it had great moments. The family stuff is incredible. Yeah, it is. I, eh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, I hate to abandon you, Bob, but I just. All right, fans, it'll be me, uh, and you'll have to deal with my review. Well, you've got. It's not until next Friday. It's the seventeenth. So oh, wait, wait, wait. the seventeenth. I'm fairly the, certain okay. Chris will see it. The seventeenth is what day of the week? I don't know. What day of the week is the seventeenth? I'm look, trying to look at the calendar. It's a Friday. Travel. Oh, well, I'll, I'll see you on the sixteenth. Good. I can, I can then have corned beef and cabbage and drink loads of harp the next day or Guinness and get over it. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let's do these news stories. <laughs> oh, did you want to, did you want to say something, Aaron? No, I remember I'm just your name. About corned beef. I was just thinking corned beef and cabbage in a theater. That would have been rude. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, not in the theater. If you had it first and then went to the theater, it would be rude. Yeah. That Oof. would have been rude. Yes. Why All right. Let's talk about theater? the good Asian being turned into a series super quick mrc james wan's atomic monster and three arts is uh developing a deal uh, is making a deal to develop uh porn sack pizza shots noir graphic novel the good asian into a series please please do this is, yeah, this is yeah. good news um there's nothing about this that i i don't love i am a big fan of james wan can do every genre Uh, combine them all together yeah absolutely yeah this is cool it's cool that they're they're focusing down on this this is uh uh piece of shots second development deal uh over the last like year or so with them uh still developing infidel for the screen and now they're doing a uh good asian so good asian i wish um I know Joey uh, was a huge fan of this. I wish he was here for this it. conversation. Um, I read it. This was Aaron, like... Aaron, that is your name, right? Yes. Okay. That, that is my Sorry. name. Hi, nice <laughs> to meet you. Nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> so this was a 10-issue series. I guess yeah. they're going to go further with it, or is this going to be a limited thing? 
it was a very contained story. Yeah. I mean, it left it, there was some ending. There were there was room for an additional story to be told, but I don't necessarily know if it would have been a good one. Um, um, I, I feel like it, it was one of those stories that the closure was what it needed to be. Yeah. So they could probably there was there were points in the story where there were breaks. Um, sort of gaps in time and it goes back and it goes forward in time in some instances. So there's enough to maybe fill, I think you could probably fill if you really stretch out the, the issues, probably like maybe three seasons. That's my thought. Three small seasons. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Again, people who read the book will find it weird that they filled in the gaps. Yeah. Right. But watching it, without having read the book yeah i think you could do three maybe like 18 24 episodes maybe tops right well i'll uh for people that don't know uh haven't read the good asian i'll just read the synopsis for you really quick that uh deadline is printed here the good asian follows edison hark a skilled but complicated chinese-american detective on the trail of a killer in 1936 chinatown The series adaptation is a Chinatown noir following the first generation of Americans to come of age under an immigration ban. The Chinese, as they rise against the system of violence, oppression, and corruption in their community to build a better future. So Edison was or is a very hard character to like in this book in that he's playing both sides as he kind of makes his way through this story. Yeah. And I think that that will lend really, really well to like a a well-formed television character. Uh, I'll be very curious to find out who they do casting wise for this. I'm excited to see who they cast. These are the types of stories that need to be told. These are the types of stories because we have to get, I think we still live in this space where there is always a character is always expected to be a moral compass of some sort. Um, And that's rarely the case. And I think a story like this, you could not afford to have a character that was going to be the virginal good. You know, this is a a space where as an Asian, as an Asian in the thirties, you had to do what you had to do. Period. In Mm -hmm. San Francisco, period. Yeah. You're coming off the quotas for, for immigration. Exactly. You have a character who is so multidimensional. So I can I can identify, but I can also not like. He is not a good person. But then neither was the 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 detectives Bogart was playing in that same period. So it, it is perfectly on point with those kind of film noir or early gangster movie things. Yeah, there's a, there's, I trust James Wan to do this right, and that's right. Th- there's the key yep. of the whole thing. There's a bit of you know throwing throwing your people under the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from this character to you know, I don't know. Look at the larger picture. I don't know. It's it's complicated, but complicated characters are good. We need those. Amen. Can you say oh. the author's name one more time, Steve? Hornsack piece of shot. That's for you, Joey. <laughs> Why am I saying it wrong? No, but uh, no. <laughs> Joey will let you know. Oh God! 
<laughs> At least I'm not calling him by what I used to call him, but I didn't know how to pronounce his name. At first, we, the first time you said it, I swear I thought you said pizza shell. I'm like, what the hell did he just I say? I used to say, <laughs> and I apologize, but what was it? Porn snack pizza shop. Wow. <laughs> which, which is, wow. you know, a whole other thing. <laughs> so it's just every name. It's just every name that you're. you're Porn <laughs> you snack pizza shop. Okay. <laughs> I want a t-shirt that says that. That's all I'm saying. That could, yes. yes. Yeah. All right. Oh, listen, <laughs> I already apologized for it and I'll apologize yes, for it there again. You go. It's, um, it's your thing though, Steve. So go for it. You're good to go. <laughs> Uh, last thing that I'll mention is somewhere in this article, uh, pizza shop. <laughs> so I'm sorry. <laughs> pizza shops. Oh, I don't know what to say. P- and now you got me all self-conscious, you asshole. The, the, the author. The, the author. author was also in the writer's room for that uh, Green Lantern series at HBO Max that they're working on. So maybe it won't be a total shit show. Yes, it will. But OK, moving on. Know, we're moving on. Moving on. Moving on. Good Lord. Christ. (laughs) I have one word for the next story. Go ahead. Uh, Deadpool 2 star Jack Kessie cast as Hellboy. Why? Why? Okay, go ahead. Because Hellboy endures. Oh, God. Look, eventually, maybe they'll get it right. Yeah, I mean, they, they no, did, no, 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 they, they did. They did. They did. They did. They did. I take it back. Problem. They did it right twice. There were parts of the reboot with Harbor that were okay. The Baba Yaga stuff was cool. Everything else was kind of, eh. but like, I, I don't know. It away. That's all I want. I, I just, I know Yaga. that when I when I saw this, I went, "Who?" <laughs> I no, I no idea. What this That's what is. I thought the word was going to be. I was like, even, oh, even after I looked up Black Tom in Deadpool Two, which is who he plays, I don't really remember that movie too well. It's been a couple of years since I've seen it, but like, was he in that movie for I don't know seven minutes, if that? I think he's in it longer than Matt Damon or Brad Pitt. Does someone get oh, blown up? Brad was Brad Pitt. It was Brad Pitt? Okay, I'm sorry. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Kessie is known for playing Black Tom in Deadpool 2. Is he? Is um, he? We don't know him. <laughs> right? Like movies Sorry. like WB's 12 Strong and Baywatch, as well wow. as the series Claws and The Strain. I remember The Strain. Watch that for like three episodes. Um, Maybe he's going to be great. Who's directing? Yeah, no, who's, he could be. Who's, who's writing? Who's directing? Uh, Mike Mignola and Chris Golden. Okay. Are doing the script. Well, Mignola with John Byrne created Hellboy. That's good. Yeah. Golden, uh, good. Who's sure. Brian Taylor, the director of the Jason Statham classic Crank? Oh God! Is Sorry. and and Ghost Rider too? Oh no! Is is directing oh, this movie? Crank. So I mean, they're focusing on a specific story, The Crooked Man. Yeah, I've never yeah. read The Crooked Man. I probably will now that they're. Making this, but it's taking place in 1950s rural Appalachia, which is really neat. And supposedly, it's oh, Hellboy s- stranded okay. in Appalachia with a rookie VPRD agent. So, well, okay. basically, oh, the reboot, go. but in a different setting. Okay, so he starts in know. World War II, ends up in the 50s in the Appalachians. Maybe. All right, you may have sold me on this, Steve. You yeah, bastard. I don't know. 
<laughs> Jack Kessie is a dynamic actor who has the ability to morph into his roles. Are you his saying this? And, or the no. Solicit saying this? His talent and stature are perfect for this younger Hellboy. I was very impressed with him while working together on The Outpost, said co-president of Millennium Media, Jonathan Younger. So, okay. I don't understand. Um, that's the Hellboy that, story. That last movie smelled like rotting ball sack, and it just, for some reason, they <laughs> wow. would make another one. But you can't wow. get another well, the, Wonder Woman. trying to get around anyway. the last one, that sounds like. Ugh. Anyway. Oh, anyway. 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 This next story is uh, is for, for, for uh, Carolyn. Uh, Thunderbolts, Stephen Yoon joins Ooh. Marvel Studios pick in a key role. They won't say who he's playing, but he's joining the cast. Any guesses? No, Joey said Sentry. That would be awesome. I don't know if the many Thunderbolts characters that well, though, to be honest with you. He said two names. Sentry was the first one he said, but then he was like, no, 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 it's this person. Well, we can't bring but back Zemo, or are we? Um, I don't know. I don't remember what what happened to him. Wasn't he? You mean with it, Zemo from Zemo from um, Winter Soldier, the, um, the TV show? In the, yeah, I was going to say he was in the TV show. Yeah. I thought he he marched off into the sunset, didn't he? I right. don't think he yeah. died. Well, he danced off into the sunset. Perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be cool. You know, he, he was he was white when he did that, but you know anything could happen. Um, he's having plastic surgery. Whatever. Look, um, I think think that's how it works. No, Stephen, you will. It it did back in the 30s and 40s, sadly. Um, or even the 60s, Sean Connery playing a Japanese person, which was heinous. Um, anyway, anyway, Thunderbolts is going to be a lot of fun. And you add someone the stature of Stephen Yoon to this. I please just keep adding great actors to this. I'm good. I love him. I yeah. I really yeah. That's a that's a cool casting. Uh, speaking of cool castings, this wasn't in the outline, but I'll just mention it really quick. Uh, they're still making that Penguin series Why? with Colin Farrell. I like Clancy Brown. I, I, love I don't. Clancy Brown. He's seventy years old. Yeah, he's there's something about him. Every time I see him, like every time he shows up in something, I get a little excited. He's just got this creepiness to him he's going to be in the new uh john wick movie really looking forward to seeing him in that but he's going to be playing salvatore moroni in uh the oh. penguin that's, okay. that's pretty cool uh i believe they announced someone else too but i don't know kristen milani milani uh renzi feliz michael kelly somebody whose name i'm not even gonna try go, to pronounce go, go, crap. go for it go oh for christ it. all right here we go uh, Shora Agdashlu. One of my favorites. I think. <laughs> I think I did okay. You know what? You I'm gonna count it. I'm gonna count That's it. That's a win. It's pretty good. Where are they? I'm from? looking at it. I'm staring at it. That that was, sounded pretty all right. And they are from. Who knows? I don't. I don't know. Uh, you're a movie is. guy, Steve. <sighs> Only. Uh, no, it is a Monday. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hold on, let's find look, out. Let's uh, go look, uh, Colin Farrell did a great job with with this new oh. version of the Penguin. Go ahead. Hold on, she. I recognize her face. Oh, she is 
a 24 actress, uh, Star Trek Beyond. She played Commodore Paris. Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda coming back around. Uh, The Expanse, she was in. She was Gozer in the new Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I thought was was, fantastic. I love that movie. Yeah, absolutely. I loved it, too. I I had so much fun with that with that movie. Um, Do you you recognize who Phoebe was? Yeah, well, um, she was from uh, Captain Marvel. She's, She's young Carol. Yep, she's young Carol. She was in uh, the Haunting of Hill House. Yes, she's yes, been. Yes. A, she's been in a lot of stuff. McKenna Grace. She's uh She's going places. She's in. She's in everything. She's yeah. If you go to her IMDb page, she's in a ton of upcoming stuff. Um, she's been. This woman's been in Destiny. I'm trying to figure out who she's playing. I think she's playing Maroni's wife. Ooh, but don't quote me on that. I'm not sure. Well, Clancy Brown um, is one of those menacing characters he's great voice huge exudes menace and yet charm if that's his wife oh i'm in yeah okay okay i'm trying to i'm seeing if i can find who she's playing but i don't see anything and i don't want to spend too much time reading this uh whatever i'm 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 sure she'll be fantastic that casting helps that casting helps. I wasn't interested, but now I might be. Yeah. Um, love Clancy Brown. All right. Let's see. Let's do the killing the children story. Oh, <laughs> uh, Netflix re-ups overall deal with dark creators. Uh, duo board James uh, Tynan comic series. Something is killing the children with Boom Studios. OK, I'm I'm a little confused. Five years after Netflix inked their first ever European overall series deal with dark creators, so-and-so and so-and-so, uh, the studio has re-upped with the duo in a splashy eight-figure pact. Woof. We can reveal. Damn. Eight? Um, the German writer-creators who most recently made uh, the big-budget mystery drama 1899, which Netflix canceled after one season. Oh. Uh, I didn't even get to watch it. Uh, are now turning their attention to the comic book adaptation. Something is killing the children on which they join boom studios, which also has a deal with Netflix. Okay. First of all, I've seen dark. It is phenomenal. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Keep going with it. It's amazing. It is told across several timelines. It is very confusing until you kind of get the rhythm of it. But once you do, that is one of the coolest sci-fi shows I've ever seen. It's fantastic. It's on Netflix. It's only a couple of episodes, but it will break your brain into a thousand pieces. It's so good. It's so well acted. It's riveting. I love it. Um, I'm extremely excited about them coming on to this, but I'm also a little confused because I remember talking about this adaptation a while ago with Mike Flanagan being uh attached to this and his name his name is nowhere in this article oh wait here we go uh co-creators <laughs> tynan and deladero producer now and get a check executive producing like dr sleep duo da, 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 were attached were attached to the project a couple of years ago but last year netflix decided to go in a different direction with the property oh man fuck <laughs> all right whatever I am. 
I I like him, but no, he's probably doing that dark. No, that's right. He left Netflix for that uh, for the Amazon deal, and he's doing the dark the Dark Tower stuff. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay. Um, anybody else have any thoughts, or can we move on to the comic booky stuff? Moving on. All right, move on. moving on. Bum, 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 bum. The Avengers X-Men. What does it say? The Avengers is coming from Newsarama. The Avengers X-Men, Spider-Man, Deadpool, and more. Go to battle. Tell Stop me if you've heard this one. Blarg, blarg, in, blarg. In Marvel's Contest of Chaos uh, event. At the heart of Contest of Chaos is... Agatha Judging Har- by the Agatha Harkness, which be- it all begins in a Scarlet Witch annual, which I will buy and then pass on the rest of them. Mm. So, judging by the promo art from Brian Hitch that Marvel sent with the announcement, it appears to be a clash between Marvel heroes. But rather than being split along the lines of something like Avengers versus X Men. It looks like heroes and villains from all around the Marvel Universe will be in a full-on free-for-all clash. Great. And true to that concept, Marvel is promoting the story as an upcoming Marvel Comics saga that challenges your favorite heroes to embrace their inner chaos. Yeah. Who's like, who's spearheading this? So, two things. Number yes. one... I've said this before. I'll say it again. I don't like stories where the heroes are fighting each other. Hmm. Also, didn't they do that with Avengers Arena like 10 years ago? Anyway, number two, I've never been a fan of Brian Hitchart. I'm sorry. Just, just never been a fan. It just bothers me. So for those reasons, I probably won't purchase it, but I'll probably read it for free on Marvel later. Marvel yeah, Marvel. I don't know. I might pass on this. This doesn't really interest me. I, I also am not a fan of the heroes fighting heroes thing. I've I've read a bunch of those when we first started talking comics and they kind of gone away for the last couple of years. And I, I it's one of the things I don't miss I about thought, comics. I thought they learned their lesson or maybe there was sort of this shifting appetite for it after the last Civil War. Because it basically didn't that one, if I remember correctly, didn't that Civil War almost ruin Carol? Yes. Yeah, they put her on yeah. the wrong side of the battle, as they did almost everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Civil Wasn't War Two was not a fan. I, I, I'm not allowed to say his name anymore. I've been, I've been chastised. It's like Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. <laughs> He'll reappear. He'll come out of my mirror. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like with, without, without uh, creative teams being named on this or anything or knowing like who's in charge of it. I, I am going to need to know more, but so far the, the concept anticipation for this is very low. Like I don't really have any interest in this. Um, what is interesting though, is it another story coming out of newsarama? The ultimate universe is back at Marvel this summer. Thanks to hitch and Hickman. Well, Marvel's Ultimate Universe ended a little less than 10 years ago with 2015 Secret Wars, but now Secret Wars writer Jonathan Hickman and artist Brian Hitch, who drew the Ultimates, uh, are bringing the Ultimate Universe back this June in a four-issue limited series titled Ultimate Invasion, 
which Marvel bills as the start of the transformation of the Marvel Universe. Again! No! Uh, Look, I, I'm waiting with bated breath, which means my mouth smells like worms. I'm sorry. That was terrible. Oof. Oh, um, wow. I, I a, have no Yeah, I have no interest in this. I really I really don't. I, I mean, I love that the Ultimates gave, the Ultimate Universe gave us Miles. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. rest of it? Um, I, yeah, I not invested. I tried it, didn't get anywhere. Uh, it was the Marvel tried a couple of times before they did all that white event into that universe, the world outside your window, and that didn't work. And then the Spider Girl universe that was better but didn't work either because they canceled everything. Um, this lasted longer. People love it, and I'm not gonna muck up your cornflakes by saying it's terrible because it might be good. <laughs> oh, but I nice. I don't care. Sorry. Violence against cereal is never necessary. You're right. <laughs> I I I apologize. Just put sugar on your cornflakes and not anything else. But. I only slightly began to try to investigate the Ultimate Universe just before it all claps in on itself. <laughs> of course. Uh, I mean, again, uh, the Miles thing was kind of... I think Spider-Man in general was probably the only thing that I really felt like I connected to. Yeah. Um, everything else just seemed a little, I don't know, ham-fisted and, and sort of let's do the absolute opposite with this character than what you would expect. Um, type thing, but again, I only got into it just before it, you know, basically fell apart. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know what to expect with this. I don't know what the value would be. I thought that they had, if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, I thought that a they just felt like it had run run its course, and b it was just they wanted to just have that singular focus again. But I can't remember all the reasons that they they ended the Ultimate Universe. So I don't know, but I thought. They perfectly blended uh, Miles into uh, the six one six. So I don't know. I'm I'm wondering what they feel like the need is for the Ultimate Universe to come back. And didn't everyone die? Like violent deaths. Yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't an like incursion. you know an incursion. It was like no people. I think I I remember the final battles and people were getting. I know they put the X Men on like radioactive land. <laughs> Basically, wow. I remember that happening. Yeah. Like President Steve Rogers said, "Hey, you guys can live out your lives doing whatever you want on that plot of land yeah, over there." You can live in Chernobyl. You're good to go. Yes, and nothing will grow, but it's radioactive. Um, yeah, so it, it, I don't know. We'll see. That Brian Hitch is just pissing all over the Marvel Universe. So, yeah. <laughs> that could be a whole mini series. Right. <laughs> okay. there you have it. Yeah, I think the Ultimate stuff was before my time. I feel like. I came in just as Miles was getting his solo series. So I was there for Secret Wars, though. I don't know. Still, I I, I missed out on the ultimate stuff. I think I just got introduced to it. I think it was at NYCC. I think I bought a a trade off one of the boxes, one of the bins. It was like Ultimate Avengers or something like that. Or the Ultimates. No, it was the Ultimates. ultimates, Um, Like a volume of the Ultimates. And I think that's sort of just... I was like, okay, let me read this. And so I was like, let me see some other things. And it was interesting. I don't know if it was 
I don't, I maybe I just didn't have the time to develop that fandom that others have, but it was interesting. But I don't know if I have I've missed it at all. Yeah, I, I, you know, uh, sustainable was the the issue. Yeah. Interesting sidebar, nice little side story, but having gone through the image guys taking over Marvel, it just seemed like more of that. How can I turn it all on its head and make people different for the sake of being different? But they brought they've they've hinted at various ultimate characters, ultimate universe characters. I mean, didn't uh, Whitley bring in the what was that uh, the ultimate Reed Richards into a? Yes, he did. And uh, we saw the, that we've seen the ultimate Bucky, right? That whole actually, you know, yeah. that's the new universe, yeah. Bucky. That's the heroes reborn, know, Bucky. That. I'm sorry. I get. The I know confused. that Reed Richards with the helmet thing was the the ultimate Reed yeah. Richards. So. Yeah, yeah, because that FF is all. It's sort of like the 2015 movie, which is not exactly a resounding uh, yeah. recommendation. Uh, they're all in their 20s, and it's all sort of sexied up, I guess, in yeah. a certain way. Yeah. Bound to go, bound, bound. Though they did introduce the Marvel zombies in the Ultimate FF. Hmm. That's where it all starts. Uh, I think Greg Land was doing the art then, so you can imagine early Greg Land porno faces kind of thing. Oh, oh, okay. Well, wow. He did a lot of that back then. He's improved Next greatly. It's going to be X-Men, money shot. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there aren't enough X-Men books. Maybe they should do that one. I like. Okay, I'd buy that one. <laughs> there you have it. Well, you heard it, it here, folks. Yeah, book it. X Men money shot coming to <laughs> a <it> LCS <laughs> near you. Make it happen. Make it happen. That's it for the news. That's it for the comics. Uh, no listener questions or emails this Aww. week. We've got a couple of emails, but I'm going to hold on to them. Uh, wait till some more of the group are here to go oh, through we're not some good, of we're the. We're not good enough. Okay, thanks. No. No, no, it's your, no, it's it's this is Aaron's punishment for making me feel bad about <laughs> saying names earlier. You'll be all right. So what's <laughs> next on the, the list here? What's next? Uh, what's next uh, is what books we're looking forward to this week. Aaron, what is in the maybe pile for you? Hold on. I got my list here, but it just closed. Okay, so we got a couple things that I was kind of excited about. So FF number five is one. Yes. Uh, Nightcrawlers is number two. Um, I'm going to get X-Men 20 because I'm always reading X-Men. Um, Scarlet Witch number four. Uh, Superman John Kent number one, although I didn't love the cover, but we'll see what happens. Silver Surfer Ghostlight number two. I don't know if you've been reading that, Bob, but that's interesting. Uh-huh. Or if you read the first issue. It's interesting. Who's writing? Um, um oh god valentine delandro does the art oh, oh that's a, that's um, a key i'm seeing the face because they were at the we're Here, in the I'll, panel. I'll look it up go we'll ahead, go ahead. we're in the panel at nycc and i'm seeing their face um and they cried because they were so happy to be writing this one and the other one cried anyway but um so bloodline daughter of blade yes uh static shadows of dakota number two and there's a new x23 book which we'll go into more detail i guess about why there's two two lauras running around so yeah i was thinking about getting that but then i read the solicit on of like when it's supposed to be taking place i have no frame of reference for that era in comics and i feel like i would be totally lost what the x23 yeah 
I don't necessarily know. I, I mean, I just assumed it was based on the the what happened, why she's back in the universe now. So I'm going to read up on it, but we'll see because she's there's there's two of them in the universe now. So yeah. So reborn right. through what was that character? Was that Gold Balls? I forget what was the character. So yeah, it is Gold Balls. The five good old yes. Gold Balls. balls. I was like, all these times we thought it was just balls. And he was, he, this guy was laying eggs. Yeah, okay, that's right. So uh, John Jennings is writing Silver Surfer Ghostlight oh. with yeah. art by Valentine Delandro. Uh, and I assume Matt Mila on colors or letters? It's a, it's it's hitting, it's a, I don't have all the history, but it is sort of picking up from a story um, in, from, I think, the 80s um, with Silver mm-hmm. Surfer. And a character that has historical relevance. The Engelhart era was that, that's more nineties, I guess. I think so. You don't, you don't have to you have to look into it. Okay. Oh my god, I haven't read this yet, and I'm thumbing through these pages, spoiling everything for myself. I gotta stop. It was good. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I've tried. I picked it up twice, and I I didn't make it more than a page or so into it. I don't know what it was. It just it felt dense at a time when I needed something real light, but I will go back to oh, it. it. I'm was, looking forward to it. I think you're absolutely right, though. It was, there were a lot of words. There were yeah. a lot of words. Because I think it was also trying to give you a little history. Yeah, no, like it, it started, it started off and it immediately felt like weighty and important. And I was like, oh boy, like I, I, this is not a Steve's casual read before passing out for the night. Like <laughs> I need to read this on a sunny afternoon and really, dig myself in or collect it and wait for an issue or two. So I can really stay in that story for a little bit. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I'm, I, well, it's part of my, my pull list as well, but Bob, what, um, what are you going to be getting anything well, this week? Bloodline and Scarlet Witch and FF, and maybe I'll get surfer and poison IV 10. And this is the first week in, well, since Nick Spencer that I won't be buying captain America because I'm done. For a while, I don't want Dimension Z. I don't want Cold War. Blah blah blah. Sharon Carter as the Destroyer. No, I'm sorry. You've got you. you, you, Coming off of Tanahisi Coates, it's been tough the last bit. I know other people disagree with me, but I'm a Cap fan from way back, and I'm not feeling this latest run for the most part. Hmm. I've tried. There's some issues I liked a lot and others I didn't once we got into it's all a lie. Everything you know is a lie. Oh yeah, great. Thanks. Do you uh would you like some hope before and I read hope my Va- list? And hope Van Dyne? No. Oh, hmm. too bad. The canceled Scooby-Doo DC crossover film Scooby-Doo and Crypto 2 (gasps) has leaked in its entirety. This marks the first time one of the completed projects Warner Brothers Discovery scrapped for tax purposes has surfaced online. Okay. Maybe there's hope for Batgirl. Okay. Maybe. Like I said, hope. Nothing more. Okay, I, I will have to talk to my uh, pusher for such things. Whoa! Okay. Dark secrets coming out. A dark, dark turn. Yeah. Uh, so for me, uh, waiting a month, but on the list is uh, Adventures of Superman, John Kent, number one, coming out this week. 
Batman number 133, Poison Ivy number 10. Uh, John, damn you, The Amazing Spider-Man number 21. You got me with 19 and 20. They were a really good time. And I'm going to keep going with it for a little while. Uh, Bloodline, Daughter of Blade number two, Fantastic Four number five. New Mutants Lethal Legion number one. I'm going to give that a shot. Uh, Nightcrawlers number two, Scarlet Witch number three. X-23 Deadly Regenesis, number one. I have three question marks next to it. I'll probably cave. I'll probably get it. Uh, X-Men, number 20. And then uh, one of my most anticipated titles of the week, Know Your Station, number four, is coming out. And uh, there's a new book called The Gimmick, number one, that is also uh, wrestling-themed. And... Uh. I, I I don't know what it is about wrestling comics after do a power bomb, but I'm gonna gonna give it a shot. I know the trade for do a power bomb I think is out. They need to do an oversized hardcover of that, like an like, Adventure Man kind of thing. Yeah, like the the big oversized image uh, collectors editions that we have stashed around the house. They need to do one of those for do a power bomb. Um. That's what I think. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's over. Does anybody have any closing statements or anything they would like to share before we get out of here? Two things. Sure. One, go follow us on Instagram because just because uh, been enjoying getting information out there. And also, if you are going to be attending awesome kind in DC, let me know. We may put together a little, uh, meetup. So be posted. what is the Instagram handle? So people know what to search for. Damn. If I know, I think it's talking comics podcast. It is talking comics podcast. There you go. <laughs> Damn it. You're supposed to know these things. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, look at that. Yep. I guessed it right off the dome. Uh, yeah. yeah, check us out on Hive, on Instagram. Uh, I, <laughs> I could say go and check us out on Twitter, but man, I don't even tweet from my own account anymore. Ah, oh, Elon. Oh, Elon. Way to go. Way to go for making the first two hours of my workday absolute hell by blowing up Twitter this morning. Good job, buddy. Douchebag. Uh, we've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email, which is a great way to get in touch with us. We've got a lot of those. Uh, podcast talking comic books.com. You can send us your comments, your questions, your quizzes, your queries, whatever you've got. Uh, we've already mentioned the other social media stuff. Bob, where can our listeners find you? It is that old-fashioned email. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com Aaron, how about you? AJ Amos 70 on Instagram. Joey, I think, is at Joey Bertino on Instagram. Uh, I am at dead underscore anchorist on Twitter. Chris is at the myth of psyche. John Burkle, I don't know what his Instagram handle is. I doesn't really use it so whatever um (laughs) so for bob see you soon for aaron later and for me it's good to be back make sure you are being excellent to each other thank you all so much for listening and until next time on the talking comics podcast to be continued